Amen. Well, as our ushers come by with the baskets and pass those out, um, again, if we haven't met yet, uh, my name is Benger, and I'm one of the pastors here at Flourishing Grace, and um, just just glad to be here this morning. We are in the middle of, it's really a weighty series, um, these ideas of gifts of the Holy Spirit, and today is, is honestly no different. I'm talking about what, what this idea of faith and, and, and how God gives it, and, and this idea of healing and how the Holy Spirit works in that, I mean, these are... These are heavy topics, if we're honest, and so we're just going to dive in. Um, some of you heard this story. When uh, our middle child, Samantha, was born, um, eight days after she was born, eight days after we uh, you know, were at the hospital and took her home a couple days, uh, we noticed that she was having a difficult time breathing. So we took her to the doctor, and um, she ended up in a hospital at Primary Children's in Salt Lake City. And over the course of the five weeks she was there, especially the first three weeks, she got worse and where she had a rare congenital condition where uh, fluid was forming around her lungs and, and just nothing was working. And it even came to the point where the surgeon, one of her doctors, she had many doctors at that time, when, when her surgeon, who was supposed to be her surgeon, sat us down and said, listen, the, the, the kind of last-ditch effort that we want to do, we're not even sure she would survive that surgery. So, so we don't want to do it, and you should be prepared not to take your daughter home. And that was a very difficult time. And if you know the story and you know Samantha and you've seen her running around here, you know that a couple of days later, all of a sudden the fluid just stopped. And it was so surprising. This wasn't expected. It was so surprising. The doctor said, no, certainly something is wrong with the equipment that's supposed to be draining the fluid. Um, we're going to figure that out. And, f- and maybe, you know, maybe there's a plug and something else is going on. But as they, they took x-rays twice a day and then every day they realized, no, the fluid just just stopped. And, and even though it was a rare disease, they had a few case studies and nothing like this had ever happened. And, and we know what happened. Samantha was miraculously healed. Now, one thing I don't usually share when I share this story is I am mindful and I remember clear as day um, the faces of parents that we met when we spent so much time on that hospital floor. Parents who's, who loved their kids as much as, as we love ours and as much as we love Samantha. Parents who, in many cases, were, were followers of Jesus and, and were crying out every single day, helpless, God, would you please do something here? And yet, we got to bring Samantha home. Others did not. And while there are some people who, who, who are not good with uncertainty and are not good with, with any level of mystery, we'll, we'll try to say, well, certainly something must have been going on, or, or maybe it was this reason, maybe it was that reason. And, and certainly we can see ways God has used this, but, but if I'm honest, God can use anybody. I don't know why God let us take Samantha home. And I share that because when we talk about these weighty topics, what it means to have faith, and, and how does God heal, there is this tension. Maybe, maybe you, 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 you believe that God can do these things, but, but you kind of shy away from it, and, and because you watch late night television, and some people treat this idea of faith like you've got this faith bucket, and if you can just muster up enough faith and dump enough faith into your bucket and then bring it to God, then, then God is bound to do something, and, and, and you think, man, I don't want to be one of those people that says, I don't think it works that way, but I don't think it works that way. 
Or maybe you believe in this stuff wholeheartedly, and you, you've prayed for people. And, and you've prayed for things that are small, and, and they've been healed. And you've prayed for things that are huge, and they've healed. And you've seen God do amazing things through his Holy Spirit. But then your spouse got sick. Or your child got sick. And when it meant the most to you, it felt like heaven was silent. Or maybe you're not a follower of Jesus at all. In fact, if you're not a follower of Jesus, the person who invited you is probably squirming in their seat next to you. They're like, oh, why did I have to invite somebody on a, a week? Just like we're talking about something as difficult and, and weird sometimes. It's like, why can't you do one of those sermons about that lost son or about love or about how to, how to love your spouse better? Why can't we do one of those today? Like, those are really good. Why, why do we have to be talking about this? And I, and I get that because if somebody like me stands up on a stage like this with a microphone and starts talking about faith and starts talking about healing, it's difficult for your eyes to keep from rolling if you don't really believe there's a God. And listen, I get that. I'm one of the most skeptical people in this room. I didn't grow up in this thing called church. Um, I came to faith as a young adult. Um, in, in fact, I'm so skeptical that when my wife tells me that, that there's a light bulb out and says, hey, would you get out the ladder and change the light bulb? I have to go over to the switch on the wall and flip it on and off just to make sure. Right? Yeah? Am I, I, I cannot be the only one in this room, Right? I am probably the most skeptical person in this room. So do me a favor. If you're like, Man, I, I don't even know if I want to. Listen, just hang with me. Okay, hang with me. Because I believe if we come with clear minds and, and an open heart, we will see that there is something that God is up to in this world through his Holy Spirit. And in the midst of this series, what we've been doing is we've been walking through um, a short passage in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And so by now, if this is your first week, then, then this, is, this is new. But if you've been here all four weeks, you know, three before and then today, you are very familiar with this passage. You're like, man, when are we going to move on from this? But it is, it is key because we, we have this tendency sometimes when we talk about certain things to zero in on one verse or one word and, and pick something that we like. But, but we need to look at the whole context to understand what God is doing, especially if something as significant and, and something as tension-filled, if we're honest, is, is what it means to have faith and how God gives faith and, and how the Holy Spirit heals. So we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to start there, verses 1 through 11. I'm going to read the whole thing and, and kind of tell you why in a minute. Um, it'll be um, in your uh, Bible. If you've got your Bible, uh, if you need one, there's one underneath your seat. It's blue. We're going to be on page 1061 in that Bible, 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, if you need a Bible, please take that Bible, take it home, put your name in it. it it's our gift for you. We, we want them to walk out the door. And because we believe this is the Word of God, if you would do me a favor, would you please stand, if you are able, as we read from 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, and, and this word means both brothers and sisters, if, if you're familiar with uh, some foreign languages, I do not want you to be uninformed, for you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to meet idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, 
But it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. This is the word of the Lord. You may have a seat. So here is where we're going today and what we're doing. I recognize that as we address these topics, for every person in this room, there are as many questions, if not more questions, about what we're going to talk about today. If I'm honest, we can't address every single one of them. So what I want us to do is I, I want us to have a framework for kind of how to think through this and, and lay a foundation so that we can think and, and, and think clearly about what Paul is talking about today and what he expects of us. Now, Paul, he writes these 11 verses in, in, in a larger context. It is so important, and this is kind of an aside, but it's so important that, that you, should, you should always be skeptical of people who say, well, I believe this about God because of, of this verse over here and this verse over here, and then it says it back here. And they seem to be like they know them. You're like, well, they must know what they're talking about. But, but we pull all these things without really understanding, and what's the context? What, what is this person, you know, how did the Holy Spirit speak through this person? What is Paul talking about here? So our goal today is to begin laying that foundation, understand why Paul wrote these 11 verses, and then look a little bit more, more closely at, at faith and these gifts of healing. Now Paul writes the, these three chapters, 12, 13, and 14, and he talks about the Holy Spirit probably more than anywhere else he does in his writings because there is a specific issue going on in Corinth. The Corinthians, the church, the followers of Jesus in Corinth, they believed in the Holy Spirit. They believed that God was working through the Holy Spirit, and they believed that God was up to something. Now the problem was, is they believed that as the Holy Spirit was working, they believed that if he worked in one way, in one follower of Jesus, in another way, in another follower of Jesus, it must mean, if this gift seemed better, that this follower of Jesus was somehow better than the other follower of Jesus. And Paul says, no, 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 you, you missed the whole thing. So Paul almost says, I've got to back up and I've got to explain this again. And he talks about why the gifts of the Holy Spirit are working and, and how the Holy Spirit works. Right? And, he, and he says in here that the Holy Spirit gives gifts to each for the common good. Every single follower of Jesus who has the Holy Spirit residing in them, it, God works through them, the Holy Spirit works through them in specific and tangible ways, and Paul refers to these as gifts. And, and if we go back to the first message in this series, if this is your first Sunday or you missed that first message, Pastor Josh, who's our pastor for preaching and vision, uh, talked about who the Holy Spirit is and, and how he works. And he used kind of this image, along with other people who have said this as well, is uh, there, you can picture us as, as a boat. We are, we are uh, actually uh, on a boat, and we are driving this boat, and, and it's a sailboat. Now, the Holy Spirit, and, and this says this in John. Jesus talks about this in John 3. The Holy Spirit moves however you will. It's almost like the wind. You, you know the wind is blowing, but you don't know necessarily where it's going or where it's coming from. And our job, 
we want the Holy Spirit to work in our life is not to tell the Holy Spirit what to do. It's just simply to put up our sail and let the Holy Spirit move. Now, the Corinthians have this issue where they believe man, one gift's better than the other, and, and some people, if they have that gift, are better than the others. And specifically, that would be the gift of tongues that they were talking about. Josh is going to actually talk about that in a couple of weeks. And I think sometimes we have this issue as well. We might look at certain people and say, well, because God works through them in that way, but I, I guess they're, they're better in some way. And, and, and Paul says, no, that, that, that's not the case at all. It's the Holy Spirit working. But I, th- I think you and I, I think most of us, maybe it's a Western thing, maybe it's an American thing, but we have an altogether different issue. We have a tendency to ignore the Holy Spirit altogether. And we don't intend to, but it's almost like we're on this boat, and what we're supposed to be doing is, is raising our sail, but instead we think we can do it on our own. And so if we think we need to go somewhere, we get out the oars. I mean, I do this all the time, and then we work. We work, and only until it's very clear we have no power to do it, then maybe we'll ask the Holy Spirit to work. And really, Paul says that's not the way it is. Well, it's the Holy Spirit. If you read all of Paul's works, if you read the book of Acts, we find that not only does the Holy Spirit give gifts for the common good, but it's meant to further the mission forward so that many people would come to know who Jesus is. The Holy Spirit gives gifts to point people to Jesus. And so Paul backs up. He's got to lay this foundation. So as we talk about these gifts today, we have to keep that in mind. It is the Holy Spirit working for the common good and to point people to Jesus. And yes, the Holy Spirit works through us, but as we talked about the first week, these ain't, these ain't our gifts, people. And Paul says, man, Corinth, you missed it. It's not your gift. It doesn't make you any better. It's the Holy Spirit that's working. And again, I think our issue is we don't expect or ask the Holy Spirit to work very much, if at all. Now, as we lay this foundation, we see that Paul goes through a list of gifts. And these are not meant to be exhaustive. Like, Paul's not up here giving a lecture where, where you know, he's going through the gifts, and this is what this one is, this is what that one is. No, Paul, he kind of rushes through these because they're not the point at all. He's saying, man, there's many gifts now, now, the point is not for him to explain them all, but it's almost as if we're walking along with him and we notice these gifts and, and we're trying to pick up these rocks and examine them. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to be picking up this rock, this gift of faith, and we're going to be turning it over and just seeing what does it look like. And then we put it down and we're walking a little further and we pick up, and he mentions this gifts of healing. What does that look like? How does that work? That's what we're going to be doing today. Now, the issue is we're reading somebody else's mail. Right? Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthians. And so we don't get the opportunity as he's going through there and, and he lists these gifts and we say, oh, oh, Paul, 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 hold on, hold on. Can you go back a couple of gifts? What, to, to the utterance of knowledge? No, a little bit further from that. But prophecy, no, right before that. Oh, you mean like faith and gifts of healing? Yeah, what did you mean by that, Paul? Could you just spend more for the love than 10 words on this topic? Because we're all really, really confused. That's not necessarily how it works. And so our goal is from this text and, and, and looking at this and, and, and through the whole of Scripture, it's just what does this really look like? So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to pick up this rock of, of this gift of faith. And right off the bat, we can figure out that Paul is not really talking about just this general faith that all followers of Jesus have. If we read verse 9, it'll be up here on the screen. He says, to another, he's talking about those gifts the Spirit gives, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. What is this faith? 
If it's not just this general faith that, that we are given when we put our trust in Jesus, right? Faith is another word for trust. This, this word pistis is, is just really what does it mean to believe or to trust? I think for us, we put a whole lot of religious and spiritual baggage on this word. Like, you know, some people um, from, from different parts of the United States add a few syllables to the word faith, right? And it makes it sound like something really tangible, like you got to have some faith. I, I can't do it. Maybe some of you who are from other unnamed parts of the country who put on extra syllables on the words can do that. But we, we just have this idea. Again, it's the, it's the faith bucket. Like it's this tangible thing. But that's not what Paul is talking about at all. And you and I, we are followers of Jesus. We come to faith. God gives us the faith to put our trust in Jesus, whereby we are saved by faith, by trust, not anything that we do. We can't do anything to earn our salvation. It's something God gives us, and we trust in him for it. That's what this word means, but it's something a little bit more than, than what everybody has, because if Paul is talking as if only some people have this gift, then it can't be that. Well, this is what I believe it is from, from this context, and, and the whole of, of, of Paul's writings on this in, in the New Testament, is that it is in an unshakable confidence and who God is, his mercy, his goodness, his love, his justice, and unshakable confidence in who God is, that he is able to work, he is omnipotent, he can do anything he wants, he is all-powerful, and that he is working in the world. This unshakable confidence in who God is, that he is able to do what we might ask him to do, and that he is working in this world. Now, I recognize that's a little bit more vague of a definition than the faith bucket, right? I mean, the faith bucket, that's, that's intimidating, right? Because I don't feel like I can fill it up enough. Like, maybe I can get to 60%, and, and I can fill that up enough and bring that to God, and God might say, well, it's good enough for a good parking spot when you're late for your kid's parent-teacher conference, right? But that's not enough faith for something a lot bigger than that. Right? That's intimidating. That makes sense to me, but that's just not what Paul is talking about. It's this gift of this unshakable confidence in who God is and what he can do and what he's doing in this world. But you've met somebody like that. Brett talked about somebody like that. And it's more like we can't find the words for it. It's more than just peace. I mean, we can, we can get peace by many different ways. It's more than just, man, I'm feeling okay about this, or I believe God's going to do something. No, it's an unshakable confidence in who God is and that he's up to something, despite the circumstances around us. Again, going back to Samantha, um, I believe it was the night that, uh, that, that, that Surgeon um, uh, talked with Jennifer. It might have been um, the day after, but, but Jennifer and I, we went down, and I remember this so clearly because it's in primary children's, and it's the old cafeteria before they renovated, and so it looked like kind of like an 80s uh, you know, cafe with the teal booths and the whole thing. I remember sitting down, and listen, Jennifer and I, we had been praying for healing. We'd ask many people to pray. Literally thousands, not an exaggeration, tens of thousands of people were praying for Samantha. I would hold her each day until she was in the ICU and I couldn't hold her as much. I would hold her each day and pray for her. And we believed God could do this. But on this day, we did not pray that Samantha would be healed. We sat down. And after we chatted, we committed Samantha to God. 
God, we know you can heal. But if you are up to something greater, if you, if you can use her death more than you can use her life, God, she is yours, whatever you want. And if you know me, you know this is not who I am naturally. First of all, I'm a skeptic, and so I'm always picking things apart. I'm also a really anxious dad. Like, my, my own family makes fun of me. I think everybody makes fun of me. My own family especially makes fun of me. They call me the safety police because I'm always reading stories about things that can happen or how kids can get sick or some freak accident. I'm like, just, no, don't do that. Make sure you walk across the street. I am not a naturally trusting person. It's one of the things that has been tough for me in my walk with Jesus. But, but on this day, God gave Jennifer and I, and I believe over the course of Samantha's illness, this, this gift of faith. And not just, yeah, God's got this and it's going to be okay, but this unmistakable and, and unshakable confidence in who God is. He's able. He's up to something in this world. And remember, these gifts are given for the good of others and, and point people to Jesus. Now, God used Samantha's healing. I have a sister who followed this case. She's, she is not a follower of Jesus, but she's a brilliant physician. She's a pediatrician, and, and, and from Denver, she followed this case. We, we, we signed away everything so that we could have all the charts sent to her, and she, she could have access to those at any time. She came and she visited, and she knows that Samantha was healed. She knows just as much as the doctors did. There's no explanation for that. And I'm grateful for that. I hope one day God uses that to bring her to Jesus. But you know what God used even more than that? The thing we heard more than anything else was not, man, look at God, look what he did with Samantha. It was, man, look at God, look at what he's doing in Jennifer and Bender's life. Look at this trust. And again, this is not something we're bragging about that we can say, man, we did this. It's fully from God, from the Holy Spirit. One story, um, we, we know the police, the, the, excuse me, the fire chief for um, Leighton City, and it was a Leighton City ambulance that drove um, Jennifer and Samantha to the hospital because when you're in the doctor's office and they say, listen, your daughter's in the ambulance and only one of you can go, and you're going right now, who is it? It's the mom, okay? So I'm driving frantically going 90 miles an hour in the minivan behind the ambulance with the lights on heading down to the hospital. She's in the front seat. And what the ambulance driver said, told, told the fire chief that, that knew that we were friends with them, is, I, I can't believe just the trust that she had. Like, he drives many parents in these same situations, and it wasn't just that there was this peace or that she wasn't freaking out. It was just this confidence in who God is, and it made an impact on her. Okay? You know people, and it's one of those things where it's difficult to define, but you know people that have pointed the way to Jesus because they're unmistakable confidence in who God is. That is a gift of faith. And yes, it can be confidence that God will do something. But it's not just confidence in the thing. It's not just confidence in God's action. It's confidence that God is good, and that he is just, that he is working, and he is able. Now, this gift of healing. Let me tell you something. Nothing, nothing makes dorky Bible scholars geek out more than when there's a weird grammar thing in the New Testament, okay? Nothing, all right? So what Paul says here about gifts of healing, the actual words here, both nouns are plural. It's gifts of healings. That's really awkward for us to say in English, and so the translators just shorten it to, to gifts of, of healing. But, but, but in the original language, it's gifts of healings. 
And people have gone around and around, like, what did Paul mean by this? Why, did he, why didn't he just say gift of healing? And there's many different theories, but the overarching idea for all of them is this. It, it's, it's so that Paul was clear, yeah, Holy Spirit is working. The Holy Spirit is working to heal, but it's not like somebody, one person, possesses this gift of healing. The Holy Spirit gives gifts of healings, right? When you say it that way, you understand what Paul is getting at. Then does it happen that some people just tend to pray and it just seems like, man, when they pray, God seems to, yeah, that's definitely the case. But Paul is trying to make something unmistakably clear because he knows how we can abuse this. It is not a gift that resides in a person or is possessed in one person. It is the Holy Spirit working these gifts of healings. Now, this doesn't let us off the hook, though, right? It's easy to read that and say, oh, thank goodness. Now I can just generally pray for healing and maybe the Holy Spirit will work and maybe he won't. Now, Paul is very clear in his language. What he has in mind is that some people, because he's done it himself, some people are used by the Holy Spirit as they pray for somebody, and the Holy Spirit heals that person. And so what Paul is asking us to do is to audibly and unmistakably ask the Holy Spirit to heal. What he wants us to know is that, man, if that happens... It's not you, right? This is an overarching theme, right? God uses, the, the Holy Spirit uses people for the good of all of us and to point people to Jesus. And this is one of the ways he does this. Now listen, again, I understand the tension here. Like, first of all, Paul doesn't like, he doesn't stop and say, okay, this is how you do it. And many people have tried to search scripture and say, okay, I'm going to cobble together these situations. And, and some people have even came up, come up with a manual, right? When somebody's sick, this is what you have to do. And listen, that's not really what the scripture is getting at. It's not what the texts are getting at. It's just simple, simple descriptive times when, when the Holy Spirit moves and this is how he did it. Sometimes it's through leaders in the church. Sometimes it's just through somebody who's just, man, I'm going to pray for healing. Sometimes we don't get this picture at all. But what Paul is saying is he expects people to pray for the Holy Spirit to work through that person to heal. Now the difficult part of that is that the last time I checked, the death rate, at least in our city, maybe our state, maybe our town, I don't know, was hovering around 100%, right? That's a lot of unanswered prayers. And listen, I get that we want to find reasons, and, and, and hear me well. Jesus teaches that there is an unmistakable link between our trust in God and how God works in our life. It's not a quid pro quo against not the faith bucket where if you bring enough, then that person must be, no, it's not that at all. But there's this unmistakable link, and Brett talked about intimacy a little bit, and it has a lot to do with that. This unmistakable link between when we trust God to do something and, and how he acts. But again, it's not like, well, if you do this, then God's going to work, because that's, that's just manipulation. And God is not manipulated. Now, we make a couple of mistakes when we think about, man, why does God heal in some instances and why doesn't he heal here? 
And we do the very thing Paul didn't want us to do. Right? We, we become just obsessed over one gift. It's as, if, it's as if, sometimes the mistake we make, it's as if I say, I want you to come teach me about my car. And, and, and listen, if that makes you nervous, the bar is really low. So like if you can change a tire, you probably know more than I can. And, and maybe you know something about cars and you're excited. And so you take me to the front of, of my car and you open up the hood and you look behind uh, the engine. Like, well, let me, let me show you something. You take out a wrench and you pull out a spark plug. Right? And I'm like, what is that? You're like, it's a spark plug. I'm like, that's not a very nice name to call me. You know, okay. No, what it does, you explain, is it creates the spark that creates the little explosions in your car that make the pistons go, make it actually run. And I'm like, that is a, like, there's explosion. I love fire, right? There's explosions in the car. Tell me more about that. I want to hear more about the spark plug. And you're like, well, great. I got a, I got a great student here. So, so you start to explain, and you show me how the engine works, and you say, well, here's the pistons and these explosions that happen, and, and, and the gas goes in here, and then it, it cranks this other thing. No, I say, hold on. You didn't listen to me. I want to know about the spark plugs. And you're like, okay. And you try something different, and you say, well, see this little line here? It's coming from the gas tank. It goes into this fuel injection system, which is amazing because it replaced the carburetor, and I actually researched this, so I don't really know much about this, but it replaced the carburetor, and, and you can inject fuel, the right mix of oxygen, and the right, no, I say, hold on, you, clearly you're not listening to me. I want to know about the spark plugs. And in frustration, you say, listen, you can't know everything to know about the spark plugs if you don't have the big picture of everything else that's going on. And, and so it is when we learn about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit works. One way that we have made mistakes is that we have focused so much on a gift or how I can wield it, we've forgotten that the Holy Spirit is working at all. Friends, our goal, our goal in teaching through this series, our goal in, in, in eliminating just this, this passage of Scripture for so long, over a number of weeks, is that you would raise your sail and you would let the Holy Spirit work. Now, because we have to address those difficult questions, what happens when the Holy Spirit doesn't work? What happens when I'm in the hospital and I see parents packing up a room and there's no kid they're packing up for? What is God up to there? For that, we're going to go directly to Paul, actually one book over from where we are today. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It'll be up on the screen, um, or you can flip there. And to give some context for this passage, Paul, I've been talking about revelations, about, about things God had been showing him. And he actually says, listen, in order to keep me from being puffed up from this, like, like thinking I'm the great one instead of God's the great one. I mean, how often have we done that? We, something goes right, right? We invite somebody to church, and they come to church like, oh, I think I might come back. You're like, well, look at me. I'm so great. No, and, and Paul says, listen, it's not us doing it at all. And so at a certain time, when, when God was showing me these amazing things, in order to keep me from being puffed up, Paul says, he did something in my life, and this is what he did. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. So to keep me from being, becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh a messenger of Satan, to harass me. Now, some people say, well, I, I read this, this thorn in the flesh. Some people say, well, well, yeah, it, it may be a physical ailment. I believe it's a physical ailment just because of the, the language Paul uses. But some people say, well, it could be emotional. It could be maybe relational. 
But I believe that, that the language he's using, he's being vague in order to teach us, but it, it specifically is something that's physical. He says, to keep me from becoming conceited. God gave this to me. Three times I pleaded. Now this isn't Tuesday, Thursday afternoon, and then, and then you know, Saturday morning before he went out for breakfast. Right? He uses this complete number, three, to say, I came before God and I begged him to work. God, God had used Paul to heal other people. No doubt Paul had asked other people to pray for him. Because he did that frequently. I got this going on. I want you to, to pray that God would heal. Paul was before the throne begging God to act. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul, I mean, like, if there was ever any spiritual giant that we would say, man, you're, you're like, you left, you, you were shipwrecked, like, you left everything, you believed in God to work. If we say, man, Paul, your faith bucket's got to be full. And God says, Paul, I know what you want me to do, but I'm not going to do that. Instead, here's what you need. More than this healing, you need to know that my grace is sufficient for you. Listen, friends. There are some people who say that when you pray for healing, you should never say, God, if it is your will. Because they say that's just a cop-out, right? If you use that phrase, it means you don't really believe. They believe in the faith bucket kind of idea where, I mean, you got to fill up that faith bucket. You can't even say that. But let me tell you this. If your view of God, if your theology does not have room for the possibility that God could be up to something bigger than just healing a specific person in a specific instance, you have a very small view of God. And there may be times when you pray for healing and you pray for somebody else and you get up the nerve and, and maybe somebody in your cubicle, you know, you heard this message and you're like, well, listen, can I pray for you? I mean, one little tip, people very rarely will say no if you ask them to pray for you. They might feel weird, they may say, I'm not really so sure about that, but very rarely, you know, if, if you just make it quick, very rarely will they be bugged about that for you to care enough. And maybe you pray for healing. Maybe the answer is not what you want it to be. This is where you go. My grace is sufficient for you. Now again, this doesn't let us off the hook. It's easy to say, well, sometimes God heals, sometimes he doesn't, so I'm just going to let God do his thing. But that is not what Paul is talking about. Paul expects us to ask the Holy Spirit to work through us as we pray for somebody to be healed. So how does that work? Well, again, remember, we're laying a foundation. The Holy Spirit desires to work through us for the good of the body and to point people to Jesus. And a couple of the ways he does that is through unshakable trust in him, this gift, and through healing, gifts of healings. So if this is something that you're new to, you're like, man, I don't, I don't even know if I can do that. This is it's just as simple as this. It's just saying, God, I don't know what you're up to. I don't know how this works, but, but I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in this area and that you would heal. 
Many of us are so wound up tight about this whole faith and, and healing and how does this all work and I'm not sure God will do that and I'm not sure I'm holy. Either. But God just wants you to ask. Right? When my kids want me to do something, nothing delights me more than being able to say yes when it comes from a good place. And sometimes they'll come up to me and say, well, Dad, you know, I, don't, I know you're busy. You got this thing going, you got this sermon. I don't know, but, but I was wondering if maybe if we could do this game or what. Yes, the answer is yes, because I delight in that. Now, sometimes the answer is not what they want, but not because I don't delight in them, but because there's a bigger picture they can't see. God just wants us to ask and trust. And so this is how it's going to play out. This is kind of how we're going to practice this. A couple things. First of all, in your small groups, this week what I want you to do is I want you to make room to ask for, for this gift of faith because Paul says eagerly desire these gifts in chapter 14, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And so we're going to make room to ask God for this, this trust in him, this unshakable trust, and we're also going to ask him to heal where there's room to heal. We're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to move. We're going to raise our sail. We're going to say, man, I'm done rowing. I'm done hoping. Yes, of course, we take people to the doctor. Yes, we continue to do the tests. But ultimately, we say, man, the Holy Spirit might be up to something that I don't know about, and so I'm just going to raise my sail, and I'm going to see where he moves. And if you're not in a, in a small group, if, if you're kind of new, we have people out in the lobby with name tags that would love to get you connected to a small group. But if you've been here for a while, if you've seen people cycle through a couple of small group connects, or you've signed up for a group and you haven't really engaged, you're missing out. Because Paul didn't imagine a situation where we, we only exercise these gifts when we're sitting in rows like these. Paul imagined that these gifts would be exercised in the midst of community. That's how we discover gifts. So if you're not in community, we'd love to help you get in. And if you've kind of pushed it to the side, you're like, man, I don't know if I can be vulnerable. I don't know if I can make time for that. Listen, you are missing out. Well, let us help you get connected. Second way we're going to practice that is, is this morning. Brett is going to um, just play on the guitar for a little bit, and this is how we're going to do this. You may have seen in, in other times that we've, we've had kind of teams of people up here ready to pray, and, and that's a good thing. We may do that again, but, but I didn't want to give the impression that I mean, it's, you can only go to people who, who have experienced doing it. You can only go to people who've been trained, or there's a certain kind of people. Paul imagined that this would be happening in the midst of community. So here's what we're going to do. As Brett is praying, because I want you to feel comfortable doing this, if there's something that you need healing for, spiritually, emotionally, physically, that you want the Holy Spirit to work, what I want you to do is I want you to find somebody you trust. Because I want you to be, feel comfortable. So it's not just going to be like somebody next to you. If you need to walk over to somebody that you trust, and just, just ask them to pray for you. Right? It's not this big show. It doesn't have to be loud. It's just Holy Spirit. Would you please work in this person's life? This is what we're asking you to do. For this person's good, for our encouragement and for your glory, that Christ might be known. That's it. I know it's a little bit out of our comfort zone, which is why we're doing it this way, so that we feel comfortable. But this is what Paul is asking us to do. This is the Holy Spirit 
wants to move in an unmistakable way. And many times, it's through him doing something in a spiritual, emotional way, or physically that can't be explained except by the power of God. So we're going to take a minute. It's going to be two or three minutes. Stand up if you feel comfortable and, and go find somebody, or maybe it's somebody right next to you, and just ask them to pray for you. And if somebody comes up to you, even if like, man, this isn't my thing, listen, I get that. It's just got to be a few words. Holy Spirit, we ask you to heal. For some of you, that is the biggest step of faith you can take, and God loves that. After a couple of minutes, I'm going to come back up, and I'll close this in prayer.